0: Howdy, Meeks. Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. Welcome, everyone, to the Meeple Syrup Show. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we are here live and direct to you from London, Ontario, from sunny yeah. East, that way. Yeah. Which, which are you
1: going? California. <laughs> I and, don't know which way you guys sit on top uh, of yeah,
0: Toronto. You're from Toronto. So I, I'm all messed up with my directions here. But it was a show that had this kind of... The Brady, Brady bunch. bunch. It's like the Brady Bunch. Uh, it's messing me up. So anyways, we're here today with our Dissecting the Game segment show. Today we are going to be dissecting a game that you know has a lauded place in the history of modern board gaming. And we'll talk a little bit about that, I guess. It is Pandemic. Matt Leacock's Pandemic, published by Z-Man in... 2008, so a whole decade and a bit ago. Um yeah,
1: multiple versions now.
0: Yeah, and we are talking about dissecting the game, and in dissecting the game, we are going to try to break down the game a little bit. We'll go over the, the game as a whole, in general, not specific rules, unless it's super short, and then we'll break it down in terms of what we think was really cool design-wise in it, and if you have anything to add, you know, post it right down there in the Comments, feeds, we'll get to it and we'll bring your posts up online and you can see it. You can be web famous for a couple seconds. But let's get to the game itself, the game overview. So, pandemic.
2: What do you think, Jesse? What's going on here? Diseases happen and you fix them, maybe.
1: Four diseases happen (laughs) and you
2: fix them, maybe. All
1: right. You fix them well, you should fix them. The maybe part is dependent well, on if you can do it.
2: Right. <laughs> right. There's this really fun tension between dealing with the diseases immediately and finding cures for them and those come into conflict with each other because you only have so much time. But the sort of general gist is that there's four diseases that are wrecking havoc on the globe and you and a team of experts uh, based out of the CDC in Atlanta, this game's got some cool facts built into it, set out to both um, manage the diseases, the spread of these diseases while simultaneously researching and sometimes distributing cures.
0: Yes. Look, okay. we're working, working towards eradication of disease. That's um, not necessary, as, but nice. It isn't. It's nice. It's it's a it's a bonus thing, right? Yes. I just have a, a quick question. I, I like. Do you guys know any anti-vaxxers who play pandemic?
1: And I I guess I don't know how they feel about. I, that. Feel, I feel like. Anyway, I,
2: I feel
0: there's like there's gonna
1: be a, a disconnect right. there.
2: No, it's, yeah. a, it's a perfect thematic alignment. The you think I think mean. so, but they don't, the
1: they, they don't name the four diseases. Measles, the okay, <laughs> no, do they
2: don't name the four diseases.
1: Measles, mumps. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if there's just a disconnect because it's like. The red one, like I don't know. Oh, uh, anyway. speaking
0: of that, the first confirmed case of measles happened in Toronto. Eric, so look out.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we're all. Well, I, I know. You <laughs> I know. That may not be so. No, Anyways, uh, you can't. Okay, so you can't. Att- this is totally off topic. Sorry, people. You cannot attend a TDSV school. There's a limited time right now that your kid will actually be pulled out if you don't have up to date vaccines. And I think. Oh, good. You I
0: didn't know that. First. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful good night good night good evening to jamie jones and zach (laughs) Connolly, and i see i think dave tomei and andrew wolf are watching so please comment below if you have anything to tell us about pandemic uh zach Connolly is is talking right now saying uh that the first four times i played pandemic we played it wrong and i thought the game was impossible that'd be funny to see how people have played wrong yeah how'd you play it wrong zach let us know let's start with what we're talking about today and let's go to the agenda So the Game Overview, as Jesse said, is diseases pop up on a map of the world. And we are moving around this map as characters. uh, And each of our characters has a special ability. And we're trying to, yeah, a special ability. And we're trying to control, contain, eradicate whatever you want to do to win the game in time. And we're trying to avoid major, major epidemics. Like big blowouts. Of these diseases, where the map will suddenly get covered in cubes that represent the disease. So let's let's talk about the design decisions that we thought were really cool. Erica, you can lead us off with this.
1: Oh yeah, we are actually kind of going through some fun ones. So how about this? It, I, what I actually really liked when you, if you've ever just like just to appreciate for a second watching this game set up, it's kind of like some pieces here, some pieces there, get some cards together, and you're kind of ready to go. So yeah. as long as you have people like, especially like if you have played before and you understand your decisions that are about to happen, this game is to table like really fast especially for kind of like, you know, what kind of game you're getting out of it. What I think also stems from that is there's a really nice variability to play that I think is pretty friendly in the setup. And I think it also kind of gives you the sense that you're never playing the same game twice if you're like a really avid or heavy repeat gamer, right? So uh, again, the nice thing is at the beginning of the game, not only can you choose what kind of characters you want to be and there is some difference in that because there's six characters and I think they threw in a seventh for the second version. To give it a little more diversity of people. Something like that. I, I think the seventh person was like an original. I think it wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't think
2: know it wasn't. I bought the base game and on the brink together. So I don't oh,
1: know. Okay.
0: It, so you're one of You're not sure people. who
1: got mixed in. Yeah, because we can talk right, about yeah at some way too. Yeah. So it, you still get that, like, we play different characters. The cities can start with different epidemics. Yes, we're starting from always the main central point. But you can have a, you know, nice variety going into the game. And you can set yeah. your difficulty level. So I think there's a lot of really... Friendly, easy making choices there that make it really a, a game that with not a lot of barriers to play. Yeah,
0: I mean the setup's really yeah. other than the stacking of the deck, which we'll get to um, it, soon, because the deck is quite possibly right. the best part of this game. Um, Both decks actually. Yeah, uh, the construct other than the construction of the deck to start the game, it's really, really, really simple to mm-hmm. start, uh, and I think that's one of its one of its design strengths. Is that it is so very easy, um, and you're thrown into this mix where the world is sort of already starting. It's seeded. The diseases are seeded, and you're you're you've yeah. got an idea of what you're supposed to do straight off the bat. It's you know, and it's not
2: actually just a, a standard starting point. You actually start the game off in a point of crisis. That's what right? I mean. Yeah, you're in Meknes Reyes, a- a- so it's awesome. Yeah. Because one of the critical mechanics in the game is that as you're adding disease cubes to spaces, if you add a fourth cube to a space, you get an outbreak, which is miserable, um, yes. because it spreads <laughs> yeah. the disease. I oh, like an it's, adjacent it's like um, And that takes tons of cubes out of your like disease stockpile, which is one way you can lose the game if you run out of a color of cubes, but also advances an outbreak track, mm-hmm. which will just cause you to lose the game if it reaches the top. And in the game setup you get three random cities that have three cubes in them. Yeah. Which are immediate problems. Yeah, it's um, a nice
1: 3 two, 1 scale.
2: That's right. Um, so and I mean there's there's like a really important design lesson in there too I think that it, it, it maybe may be useful if we pointed out design lessons as we spot them. Sure. Um, which is that while right while if you're writing a story you might want to build people up Towards that sort of climactic moment, when you're playing a game, especially a cooperative game, it's much more exciting and engaging to start at a critical point, where the world is already on fire and you need to take action, right? So, starting the game at a, yeah, starting the game at a critical point um, is a really good way to engage players from the I first turn. <laughs> <laughs> so and yeah, and I I think that. Um,
0: Jesse and I have definitely been talking about starting more games in videos so as, as as we as we design more and more things that and whenever people ask me about demoing games I say start them start people playing where it's interesting uh, where you have to make critical decisions right off the bat and where you have affordances in the game that tell you, what you should be doing, not just anything. I guess I'll collect this resource because I'm close to it, you know, is very different than let's go deal with that problem because we know it's a problem and it's just going to explode into more problems. Even if we don't know how the rules work, you know, affordance-wise, you just teaching-wise, disease bad, go eradicate, go get rid of it or do whatever you can to it, right? Uh, and so I, I think that's, that's probably another reason why it's such a good gateway game. And before we started, uh, we had this argument. Jesse and Erica had, had an argument. Uh, Erica, do you argument. want to tell Well, it's a discussion. Do you want to tell oh, discussion about, point. Yeah, yeah discussion so point?
1: I, I think there's something really unique about Pandemic that in a lot of ways, I look at it like it kind of, I don't want to say, not birth the genre in any way, but it's sort of like, I feel like it kind of created its own kind of like co op Co-opness, it's a co-op, <laughs> co-op game. I, I'm not sure where we're going, like it was kind of like, yeah, I just, I I guess I hadn't, or maybe it was just the point of introduction. There's something about it that it's, you, you've you been used to co-op games before, but there's something about this idea of this Euro style co-op that maybe it was just the first one people found, but there's something about it that kind of, I feel like spawned or at least created quite the- a Smash It's trend. Right. Yeah. Of like what that type of co-op would now be. Like, I don't. Yes, we would have other co-ops that came around it. that would be different kinds in their own way. But I think there was something really uniquely interesting about this.
0: Right. And, and I think I think the accessibility has something to do with its longstanding, you know, the my, my first co-op sort of vibe I mean, that it has.
2: Like let's well let's think about the other co-op games that came out within that same sort well, of. Well, I was just going to get to that. So yeah, let, let's, um, let's, I'll, I'll read them out and I'll tell you the years. Uh, Arkham Horror
0: at two thousand and five. So Pandemic, by the way, was a two thousand and eight game. Battlestar Galactica two thousand and eight. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Well, they're are in the co-op thing. So I'll t- and that's what I'm telling. You. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. And I say. Betrayal at House on mean, the Hill two
1: thousand and four. But then there's a lot of trainer mechanics in that one. I would yeah, say. Yeah. Exactly. There's Shadow
0: still of the, a the competitive of 2005. Yeah. Space Alert, 2008. Uh, Ghost Stories, 2008. Forbidden Island, 2010, which is just basically you know an extension of Pandemic. And so you see a Lord of the Rings, 2000, which 2000. is what you were talking yeah. about
2: before. Yeah, that was um, the first hero co-op. Yeah, mm.
0: Defenders of the Realm, Hanabi, 2010. Space Hulk, 2010. Uh, Castle Panic, 2009. Defenders
2: and- was just a reskin of Pandemic with a little bit more thickness on it.
3: Yep.
0: Yeah. And by a totally different designer. (laughs) So uh, Battle Stations, 2004. And so you see that a lot of them were co-ops. They were definitely co-ops, but a lot of them had that trader mechanic. A lot Um, of them had a competitive
1: nature to them.
0: No. Yeah. So on, on the list that I read, so Betrayal, Battlestar, Shadows Over Camelot, of the popular ones,
1: when we talk about co-op, we don't often sure. think of it's like kind of like that one versus it, it flops into a one versus many. Yeah, instead yeah, of just like like the, the other co-op. Ones,
0: Cassie, I'm gonna Some say are, like, we're like super hard. Shadows of a Camelot. No, sorry, sorry, not Shadows. So it's Space Alert
2: and um, space. Ghost Stories. Space, so Ghost Stories is super hard. Space Alert is a choose-your own difficulty. I think all green Space Alert is easier than base game Pandemic with four sure. epidemic. It's but hard to lose. To <laughs> well, what you do, though. If you, I mean, if we want to talk about this, this is a different dissection. Um, Space Alert's tutorial actually makes you play that. It's got an excellent yeah. series of three tutorial missions that ramp up difficulty really well. It's like video game tutorial 101. So you do play all green, but only for your first mission. And it has, you know, the option of making it insanely difficult. But what actually um, I think is interesting to think about and where I thought you were going to go instead of Ooh. just making it big list is if we think about the co-op games that came out in the same Around. band with Pandemic, yeah. right so we've got pandemic we've got ghost stories we've got space alert mm-hmm. the only one of them that is now a decade or so later still super easy to get a game that everybody has heard of is pandemic yeah it's true right? i space alert is my favorite game of all time still yeah And I mention it in board game groups all the time. And I always get a dozen people going, oh, that looks really interesting. I'll look into it. But if you jump into any board game group and say, yo, who's not played Pandemic? You get crickets.
1: Can I put something out there? I think it's really thinking about this list again. I think besides obviously mechanical differences amongst them, I think the major difference is theme. I I think that's a huge factor in a lot of these. I think again, because we're listing either a lot of either kind of like science fiction or fantasy based. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even horror. So still kind of falling into that fantasy realm. Yeah. Maybe there is kind of that disconnect to something that maybe the ab- everybody knows about. And what does everybody know about to, to some degree? <laughs> world diseases world. and or <laughs> like, you know, just basic, like simple medical knowledge. But I think it also feeds off of a really interesting common fear. That maybe is far more again talking about accessibility, but far more accessible than a lot of these other storylines would be. I, I might know nothing, maybe I don't feel like a gamer, maybe I don't feel like I maybe you know, maybe I'm a little intimidated by this game because I haven't really taken this like next step you know to mm-hmm. to this type of game before this wait, but I get the genre, I get what I'm going to do, and then so we mm-hmm. kind of we can talk about this too in smart design choices is everything i'm doing thematically makes sense and i feel like i would already do it just naturally like it's exactly what i'd want to do how i describe it like you know what those actions mean just by like like there's almost no text if you really look at that you don't have to explain the action much that's yeah that's just, kind of nice in that
2: yeah charter a flight what does that mean what well, means i go anywhere yeah right okay. Right. Um, it's, it's
0: very, as, as Zach Connolly just said, he said, out of them all pandemic is rooted in reality. And I think that thematic resonance that the game has with everybody, it's on a map of the world that we all live in, you know, a it's, world, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of speaks to everybody already in terms of, you know, what's what's going on. And we have all those disaster movies. We had the SARS outbreak. We had all these things that kind of, roll into this really nice realm of, uh, of a game that's accessible. Back to mechanistic stuff, though, Dave Tome says, the mechanism provides attention, experience is key, and intensity builds, and worry grows. And it's very different than the experience that you get in Ghost Stories. Like I found Ghost Stories, and, and with uh, Space Alert, Ghost Stories is basically, oh, I'm getting hammered, and now I'm getting hammered harder, and I'm getting hammered harder still. In a different way than pandemic makes you feel, I think. Anyways, uh, and this goes back to Matt's flow channel talk that oh, I can handle that. Oh, I think we if, can handle that.
1: It's on that precipice I, of like this could go horribly totally wrong, but I'm just maintaining it.
2: Yeah, yeah I think I think actually that Hamlet hit points is is the is the right tool to compare ghost stories and pandemic with. Yes. Yeah, um, right. Right. Because in in pandemic things get bad for you, but then they get better. And then they get bad again. And then they get better. But in Ghost Stories, it never gets better.
0: No. It never you, gets you better. start
2: off in the best position you will ever be in, and the entire thing is a roller coaster crashing into a pool of lava. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the pool is lava. Oh like the other like space alert is just off the rails. It's just off the rails. Like oh, you just, it's
2: just it's ah. just an incredibly intense it's just a high intensity 10 minutes, right? There's not enough right. time for an ebb and flow. It's yeah. just um, it's just running at peak uh velocity and then it's over. And you see what happened, right? It's just it's broken into it's like a box car.
0: Funny. So Matt, uh, I'm not sure. I think I think that I think the theme was always that. I, I I haven't asked him about that. I've never actually known. Oh, if the theme um, ever
1: changed? Yeah. I mean it has expansions that had or even like versions of it with the changed theme. Yeah. But the, the fact that I don't think yeah. we readily talk about or like sure. complaining right away to it is maybe what the best theme was
2: i recall and this this is now hearsay from memory but i recall reading an article years ago an interview with matt talking about where the game came from and it was originally designed with a deck of cards on an airplane and like using graph theory you're like just thinking about networks and then he got stuck on the design and needed to find a theme and then it was suggested to him to use the theme that it now has that locked the rest of the mechanics in place and it was done, so it was an abstract first, and then the theme got applied, and that theme just fit it so perfectly. That
1: and That it might didn't be where the, some of the uriness comes from, right? Like, to a degree, is you know, a lot of those are mechanically based first, and you can kind of feel the difference a little bit in some ways. But the nice thing is, there's a really good marrying between the theme of the mechanics and so maybe that's why it clicked so well on his end if, if that was the design story right because mm-hmm. that just sort of sizes it's like th- this had a natural logic that absolutely fit the original intent. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's, that's you know, a good happenstance. Um, Jamie Jones says that pandemic is easy to learn and follow what's going on. More than once, he's taught pandemic to somebody minutes before pandemic survival tournament, and they played and held their own. And just for reference, Jamie is the Canadian head referee for pandemic survival. So uh, he's, he's played it for years and years and years and, and knows the system quite intimately. And that's, I mean, that's a really good point that people can play uh, pandemic with very little experience because it has such great affordances, I think, in terms of what are you going to do? And that sounds like I would do in real life anyways. It's not like plus one this and, you know, minus seven that and roll this dice. It's just, I'm going to go do that thing. And you just do it. You take the, you literally take the cube off the board and put it away. I'm yeah. cleaning this area up of this disease right if right if you're, you're playing, playing
2: well, you're well
1: you're putting the game away well. yeah that tactile this yeah. is fun or the putting them in
3: yeah. and
1: i so i think i have two things to bring up next i don't know if you want to do the murder i think it's really good to talk about that cascading the idea of how the outbreaks work sure, i think that's really that. nice about that and i think there's another one that was really good that was brought up in the comments is the idea and this is maybe somewhat a problem with certain co-ops in general is the idea of quarterbacking Yeah. So maybe two things to talk about Let's
0: start with this one because Shem Phillips is saying my favorite mechanism is how the infection deck resets after every after an epidemic. It has tension, deduction, and memorable moments. But sorry, Jesse, you had a point.
2: No, no, I was just going to suggest we hold off on talking about quarterbacking. So yeah, okay, perfect.
1: Perfect. (laughs) I just want to mention because it was brought up twice. We did acknowledge that we will talk about it at some point.
0: I'm going to even write it down on my board here with uh, apparently with my
2: microphone. Uh,
0: so word Erica,
2: word. why don't you um, uh, why don't you remind us how the uh, how an epidemic works and how that okay. interacts with the the um, the deck of location cards?
1: Yeah, so there's some neat things that happen. So as you're drawing out uh, different areas, you're going to tell you the location and what disease is breaking out there. And if it ends up having the outbreak, let's say so. Once a city a city can only hold three cubes, which is a nice clean number. You can see right away if they're there. Once right. it gets to a fourth, you're gonna have a cascading effect. And what happens is, is everything that is directly adjacent by a line is gonna then have an outbreak in those areas. Now, what this can create is this really, really cool chaining effect where all of a sudden you have, you know, you've you you've know, had to add to an area that all of a sudden bumped that to a three level. And now that has a cascading effect. And so what's neat is that it creates these really interesting like high tension moments that come out of it. And then what's really neat too is that once you've kind of dealt with an epidemic, there's a really neat uh, shuffle mechanic that happens. And so this is what we were bringing up about the deck a minute ago, is you end up taking every city that's already been discarded, shuffle them up and apply them back to the top of the deck. What ends up becoming really neat about that is, you know, is that, again, added tension, I think in a lot of the right ways to say, well, these places are already a problem. They're now the most likely to come back up next. Yeah, that, that might have
2: been just a little confusing. how So an epidemic has Step. three steps, right? Mm-hmm. Step one is to, uh, let's see if I remember. Uh, it's to draw the bottom card of the infection deck, which will bring a new city. A new city
1: active. I'm sorry, I'm so doing it backwards. Yeah.
2: And, yeah, that's right. And you, so you do that first. Then you shuffle your discard pile and this is the brilliant thing this is like yes, game this is the game design brilliance you shuffle the discard pile for the, the 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 deck of cards where all the bad stuff is happening and then put it on top of the draw deck so all of the cities that you have seen problems in up to this point in the game will now have problems recurring again yeah yeah and so um, I,
0: there's definitely been times when people i see it in their faces as they're playing for the first time there's this big Eye-opening experience where they go, oh my God! I just realized what's going to happen. That what Jesse just said—that you know, this city that just got hit mm-hmm. hard has a higher percentage chance of coming up because we just put it back where it could possibly uh, come up. Yes. Not only a
2: high percentage
0: chance, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, yes. it's going it's to come up and bring anything yeah. new. It's yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they just realize that and they go, oh my god, this is amazing,
2: right? right. Um, and this gets back to what Erica was talking about earlier with the random setup creating different game experiences. Because um, if your first, I don't know, 10 city cards end up mostly being in Asia, then you hit an epidemic. Now, all of a sudden, for most of your game, Asia is going to be where all the bad things are happening. Because right. those 10 cards are going to come back. And you're going to hit another epidemic. And they're going to come back, right? And that gives you a different game experience than if your first ten cards are evenly distributed across the world, right? Which is much harder. Which is a much different challenge to deal with because now you're going to have to distribute yourselves. You're not going to be as concentrated.
0: Right, right, right. Um, Another interesting thing about that and this the whole idea that you get a very different game and a it tells a very different story depending on what's happening and you actually have to play differently. Uh, depending on where the epidemics are are localized around geographically um, you have to use your powers differently you're sometimes yeah. it's like okay now we're in a game state where we can actually eradicate diseases and now we're in a game state where we just have to clean up and mop up little bits here and there to prevent you know the outbreak and you actually make very different decisions based on game state um, and you know Jamie, if you're on, uh, do you mind coming on in a second? I'll patch you in and you could talk about- um, Survive. Survive at some point, like during this show, Jamie. If if you are able to do that, like if you have a mic and stuff, let me know and I'll I'll get you the link to come on. Because uh, Survive to me was like this whole big rebirth of of pandemic in my brain. like This is
2: what it's capable of. I think Um, it's the ultimate way to play.
0: Oh, it really, really is. It's super fun. So uh, I'll, I'll message Jamie over on Facebook over there, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so, yes, definitely that deck and the way that it stacks and unstacks and forms and reforms is is super, super amazing. Um, do you think that leads to quarterbacking, though, if we're going to, you know, segue into quarterback? What are your thoughts?
1: Um, leads into it? Well, well yeah, because so there's that
0: memory. Yeah.
1: I, okay, so it's going to benefit players who maybe paid or had a bad memory or paid more attention to went back in the back in the deck. Yeah. Yes. So think, okay. I'm just um, wondering. Do
2: you think? Do you think it does?
1: I mean, I, I mean go ahead, Jesse.
2: I was going to say the the main reason why Pandemic is has a quarterbacking problem is that's even um, is 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 because it's uh, relatively easy to just play four characters at once. Right. The the hardest part about playing four four characters at one time is keeping their hands separate. Mm -hmm. which just means organizing your table space well. Um, And I say this as somebody who used to solo pandemic as a, like with four characters um, for an afternoon. Um, So I just, I think the reason why it's got a quarterbacking problem, if you believe in quarterbacking being a problem. um, There's a comment
1: about that we'll bring up too.
2: Yeah, is, um, is just because it's so simple, right?
1: it's the, there's a logical process. You would assume everyone's going to do it. And then if they don't, a lot of people might want to tell them how to do it. Uh, but there was a good point that was brought up. It might've even been Jamie who was on a moment ago was saying that, is it always a bad thing? Because there's a lot of people who are beginner players or casual players that kind of don't mind if someone kind of, Oh, like that's the best thing to do. Cool. Let's just do that. Oh, it was Travis. It was Travis.
2: Sam brought it up.
1: And so I, I think that's a, you know what, sometimes what we identify as problems is more personal gamer preference than necessarily a problem. Because a I, lot of the time, yeah, sorry.
2: You no, know, no, no, carry on, keep talking.
1: Because I was gonna say, if you actually look at a lot of the games that probably not necessarily have the highest ratings, but have definitely the highest sales, there's something about them that is just, you know, that there is a nice way of playing or intuitive way of playing. And even if someone tells you to play, you're like, eh, that's fine, we had a good moment together. We, we had fun and it's usually gamers who complain a lot about these type of things and people people who think
2: too much about game theory. I think it is right. Yeah. Um,
1: I get that. You want to have something that's you're like, wow, this is brilliant. This is smart. This is like, you know what? Sometimes people just want to feel clever on their own level. And if they have to, you know what I mean? Like no one wants to be in their casual time. They don't want to be made to feel dumb. (laughs) That's the best way to put it.
2: That's right. And I mean, yeah, that's right. So, so to walk back a small bit, uh, Eric had commented, Eric Lawson, that that's why a lot of co-ops try to obscure information with hidden information or by taking away players' senses. So one interesting thing in the context of Pandemic about this is that the original version of Pandemic had hidden hands. Mm. But I believe now, if you buy Pandemic at Target and you open that rule book, it tells you to put your hands face up on the table, and it it's does. an option in the back of the book that's like you could hide your hands and not talk about it if you want.
1: And they consider um, that a difficulty level now. So you're absolutely right. This was a rule switch, which again, you know, you have to think about who's in mind with that kind of choice.
2: Right. Exactly, which is exactly where I was going with it. Because you know, if you if you put this in front of the BGG hobby gamer crowd, they'd scream, "Alpha gamer problem! This is garbage!" And yet, this game is still f- selling off shelves in Target at full price mm-hmm. um, when most games get clearance reduced within six months. And, um, and this is the way that people experience the game for the first time is with open hands and open information. Um, and so, you know, alpha gamer problems are problems in some contexts, but not others. And when you're reaching outside the hobby market, I think it actually creates opportunities for a more holistic cooperative experience when we can all work on that puzzle together
1: talking through yeah. it yeah right. you know what i think it's a lot more family friendly because so let's be honest that's tends to be what this is for and let, most it's going to be either you know couples gaming or people with their kids or whatever it is you're going to have that experience like there's be variability of experience that they kind of naturally want someone to sort of be like it's okay you know like i can almost like i'll be the leader we're still all playing but maybe it's not quarterback so much as like uh, directing slightly <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep.
2: No, I totally agree with you. We're, we're on the same page. Um no. I, I see this, the, the alpha gamer thing over and over again. I guess if I was to stress one one lesson that you can take away from Pandemic and its commercial success, its repeated commercial success, is that the alpha gamer problem is an audience problem. Mm-hmm. And you need to know what your audience is, and that's going to help you decide whether or not you need to even care.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes they just yell too loud. It's sort of like the minority with a big voice. Not I to mean, say, guys, we love you, but at the same time, games are for everybody,
2: or for different people, right? And yes, and you know, alpha gamer problems also have a lot of like social layers to them. Um, if you have an alpha gamer in your group, part of that is a social interaction problem, and it's a true. game designer can't necessarily solve that, right? Yeah. Um, and there are some brilliant games that do deal with it. Hanabi is an excellent game that doesn't have any kind of quarterbacking because of its structure. But if you force yourself to solve that problem, you would never necessarily have made Pandemic.
1: That's true. And I mean, that's a, I mean, you kind of said exactly. If it can still fly off the shelf at Target full price, you're now it's on a level of kind of you know where the the ticket to rides are, and those those games are the first time someone hears about it this is one of the first co-op games they're going to be introduced to yeah. and so there's something super valuable about that and then talking about rating differences i looked on bgg and i think this is at like a 7.8 and you're like hmm, hmm, okay i'd like to introduce jamie jones
0: who is up there, uh, up there jamie jones is um, our friend from ottawa ontario canada and he has been a survival judge for five years uh, Jesse and I have been survival judges. Erica, have you ever judged survival?
1: No, I don't judge things.
0: Oh, well, it's really, you don't really have to judge anything, to be honest. You just have to moderate the game and let it run. You just,
2: you just draw cards and shut things.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I could tell do that. you
0: that. You, you cough a lot and you pretend to be sick. It's awesome. Um, but, Jamie, why don't you tell us what pandemic survival is all about?
3: All right. So basically Pandemic Survival was a tournament where basically teams of two are basically playing Pandemic exactly as you always sort of would, except that uh, everybody's player deck is rigged, so they all come up with the same player cards at all the same time. And um, the judge is actually running the infection deck such that all the infections will come up the same way for each team and all that. So the game is played until either one team cures all four diseases or um, basically you're the last team standing, which uh, more often than not is how it actually ends up.
0: Right. Well, to me, the cool thing about Pandemic Survival is the deck and how uh, the scenarios have been built around the deck and to cater to specific characters, character powers. Um, they, they added some really interesting stuff at one point with like your characters would have hit points and things like that. So there's been some some evolution of the game within just the small ecosystem of pandemic survival um i haven't played it in a little while um jamie so has there been ever um ever any real uh interesting stuff that's happened in survival as of late like in the last two years
3: Tip, well actually like the most unique way was exactly that idea of you having the life points that was added a couple of years ago for the one tournament, yeah. Um, the only other major differences is as you sort of play through. So, if you're playing on sort of a local level, you're basically going to be playing regular pandemic, but as you advance up to say the nationals and things like that, we start adding a little bit more of the expansion stuff, but it is. Oh, not It's nothing you will have not seen if you've ever played regular pandemic, but the scenarios get a little bit harder. We rig them specifically to be harder, the higher up you get.
0: That's really cool. Uh, Nate Murray says, survival is my favorite format. How long does it take to set up at events? Seems like a hassle.
3: It depends. Um, I've gotten it down to where I can prep uh, 12 tables of decks. I can do that probably in about two and a half hours. Um, when I first started, it would have taken me all day to prep to prep a game, but I can do it fairly quickly now. Are
0: you doing that all by yourself?
3: When I'm prepping decks, I usually do it by myself, um, just to stop from actually accidentally having errors or, sh- sure. or people accidentally yep. shuffling other decks. When we actually set up at tables, I usually have all the other referees help us out. All right. Okay. Like that.
0: It's just so the deck prep is by yourself, and then yeah, exactly. Because kind of, I mean, I've set it up. I've done the deck prep. I also,
3: um, if if yeah. I'm also. The head ref at a game, I typically want to prep it all up because I want the judges to have some surprises too along the way. Oh, so I don't nice. necessarily let them know what the scenario is either until the game actually starts.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, it's gotten to the point where like I actually part of also refing is not only just judging and making sure people are playing the game right and calling it the infection, but we have fun. like I'll be typically dancing, I'll cheer for people, I'll actually cheer for the diseases, I'll heckle players. I've got, regular play- I've got regular players who've been coming for years, and I will heckle them constantly, right? Be- just because I know they can take me heckling them and doing that, and it just makes for fun.
0: Right, right, right. I just have to tell the story of my favorite pandemic survival experience. So I get I got to play pandemic survival. I was playing. I was, a, like, I, was a, I was the uh, judge. And actually, Daryl and I were the judges for this event, um, and it was uh, Matt Leacock was playing with JF Gagnier, Um and J.F. was working at Z-Man at the time, and obviously Matt is the designer of the game, and a table down from him, it was Thomas Lehman, Tom Lehman, who is the co-designer of the On the Brink expansion for Pandemic. They were playing um, a game, they were playing in Pandemic Survival, and Tom got eliminated because their characters lost hit points. The last two tables were this table of players who were not famous game designers who are associated with this game, And then JF and uh, Matt were at another one of the final tables and it was really interesting because You could see as a judge. I can see what's happening At both of the tables and Matt was playing because he knows the math of the game intimately Obviously he was just playing a game to literally survive and he was like cleaning up the table So nothing's ever gonna happen. We're not gonna do anything and the other table was taking massive risks to try to eradicate to try to, to, to last out to not just to last but to win the game and uh, they actually ended up winning the game as opposed to matt's uh clean uh you know stable table survival strategy And it was really interesting to watch yeah dave he was played in that game uh and it's, it was really cool and i had the idea at one point that uh, and we were talking to zeman at the time of uh, you know setting up cameras over everybody's tables uh, whether it's you know just the final two or whatever just to see what the difference in decisions, in the decision forking path down the survival deck ends up looking like game state wise for every table. I would love to see like a big screen of tapas- a tapestry of that going on at once. Uh, cause it's really amazing what goes on.
3: Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I actually like judging cause I can actually see that. I can look down at the tables and I can sort of see and I can predict sort of how people are going to do in the game um along the way and i i think it's fun as a judge i've never actually been a player in the game i've always mm-hmm. judged
2: so how has um how has being a judge at survive events uh affected your perception of pandemic
3: i i it's actually funny because i'm not a good pandemic player i don't do very well in in straight pandemic um probably because of uh, i've just seen so many different techniques and all that but i've just never been really good at it myself i don't necessarily lose every game but i don't necessarily do well in every game i also now uh, there's so many good variations of pandemic now that even just playing straight vanilla pandemic isn't something i commonly do anymore
0: so which is your favorite right now
3: jamie your favorite variant uh right now pandemic iberia is probably still my favorite
0: Tell us about, about uh, Pandemic Iberia and why it is your favorite.
3: I actually find, because it's actually, I find it actually the hardest of all the pandemics right now. Basically, it's putting it back in Bain, back when it was Iberia, the Iberian Peninsula, um, back pre-airplanes and things like that. So you can't use planes and stuff to travel around. Um, instead, you've got trains to travel about. Um, you also can't eradicate the diseases. This is in a time before we've really understood germ theory, and uh, so in there, all you're doing is just trying to keep the keep the diseases down, and but still trying to trying to cure people and stuff like that.
0: Right. And, and my favorite mechanism in Iberia is actually the trains. I love I love the trains. I I just mm-hmm. think it's a, a really simple train mechanic, but it works so well for the actual game itself. Like it fits within the the system of the pandemic system. Uh, nicely where it's this added movement factor um, that doesn't overtake the game, but adds to it. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that was really
3: neat. The other good one, variation you can add into that is where the cubes themselves aren't the disease, but you consider the cubes themselves to be diseased people yeah, paper, who actually right? start moving towards the hospitals, and therefore ah. they start causing outbreaks as they come together. So you actually <laughs> have to keep moving the hospitals out of their reach.
2: That
0: sounds like,
3: sounds like a zombie game. Yeah. Kind of in a way. Yeah.
0: Um, I've played Cthulhu. I've played Iberia. I mean, you could possibly consider, um, you know, some of the other games that are out there in terms of of Matt Leacock's legacy of not just legacy, but um, so the forbidden Island and forbidden desert and those types of games, you know, offshoots of the brand. So we, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've played all of those as well. Um, One of the things that the, the chat right now is talking about heavily uh, is player powers.
1: So yeah, I was just sorry, trying to look up all of them so I could have them all listed mm-hmm. out. Because you know, you kind of remember like the last couple of characters you played. Mm. Yeah. I kind of wish I had them all. So, There's I only mean, one.
0: The Dispatcher. Was- <laughs>
1: well, that's the funny thing is, actually, Did but I was game looking- winner. <laughs> So when I was looking, because I started for space a present, because I really was looking to pull this up so I could read them to you know, go through so everyone knew what they were. I came across this BGG thread that actually had all of them listed and people had rated them. And so here's the funny part. It ended up only showing three ratings. People either had a zero, a four point something, or basically just under an eight. And there was every single cart- card that was listed. The only thing is it didn't list them in order of game. So I, I couldn't pull out to say which game they were. But it was really funny that either, like, we loved them, they were meh, or, like, nobody used it.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> you'll find that is statistically how people rank things anyways, if you look at ranking methods, that you're either a 0, a 10, or a 5. That's That's sort of it. And the reason why people <laughs> don't like 10-point scales is because it doesn't give you a, a true midpoint. Which you don't really need statistics, but anyways that's, that's well amazing. i have the Very names
1: nice. here but i can't read all the powers so we have the side at least the first game if you come to the full seven not the six if you don't want to count originally six i think you're getting rid of the quarantine specialist but uh so the scientists loves were, the quarantine specialist he's, he's i think specialist she right was here. the version two because that was the, she, i don't remember there being a black female in the first round and i think that was what their yeah. way of adding more diversity yes. yeah to be fair but i mean they think they, they did a really good job representing men to women especially because of scientific roles and then you yeah. know that could have been a whole issue and i think they were trying to even go one step further so yes uh the uh contingency planner the medic the dispatcher the operations expert and the researcher unfortunately i can't read they're all individual ones and i was trying to find that text and i apologize for looking down but that's what i was looking for that's
3: okay <laughs> The, it's actually uh, interesting is whenever I was running a pandemic survival tournament, that was one of the things I had to make sure to keep absolutely secret. And one of the things the players always tried to find out before the games is yeah, what which roles, roles were. were being played. I know so many teams would re- would try to rehearse with every combination pair they could just to make sure they had it down. People take it, it seriously. I was going to say what do you the
1: average favorites are. Maybe yeah. you could, because it seems like there's definitely favorites going yeah, down. Yeah, we there. got you know, uh, show Out to the Medic.
0: I love the Quarantine Specialist.
3: The oh. Quarantine Specialist was always a favorite of the players in Pandemic Survival. Yes, there's a reason. The refs hated it. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, Bad Bachelor says the Dispatcher. Uh, he's Jesse's on team Jesse team dispatcher. I was gonna say if
1: you have to move around really fast like that's the thing yeah. a lot of these are very contingent on like what happens but if you just want to, like things are going wild in every direction uh, you want that
2: character've yeah, I've, I I, uh, when I want to be challenged at a game of pandemic don't I don't play really. with this I don't use the dispatcher because um, being able to turn your actions into moves for other players is. It's just, crazy. It's just so good. it's never yeah. not useful. Yeah, um, so
0: I mean the medic and the dispatcher are typically Oh, you know, and if you
2: have those together. Yeah. You have I just read your and I, I just <laughs> mop up. That's right. You'll eradicate one disease if you have both of them. Because it's the only I think it's the only um base role combination that
1: combos. Was mm. the medic the one where you only had four to five cards?
2: No. No, no the medic what is the that? one that when they scientist, uh, or scientist.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because that's for the disease.
3: Yeah, uh, the, the medic cured. takes extra okay. cubes off when they say travel through spaces.
2: Yes, or ah. if the disease is eradicated, they just clear spaces it, yeah. when they enter it. It's mm-hmm. free. Yeah, and so you 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 cure a disease, and then you, as the dispatcher, pick up the medic pawn, and then <laughs> dust off the board with them. <laughs> and now, eradicated disease.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how diseases are gone in real life, right? Someone just walks through a village; it's gone.
2: Someone it's calls. Gone. the... So yeah, okay. someone just calls the medic. It's like go left.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that I, way. The thing is, that I think that um, that the dispatcher, even though it does push into quarterbacking realm, even though it does make the game somewhat
1: easier in some ways,
0: I also think it makes the game more interactive between players. I would
1: say that's probably the best player to give to somebody who might quarterback anyway because they have to do it in the benefit everybody else <laughs> we you can say no like that's we the thing you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and, saying, no, no, I'm not saying that jesse just...
0: quarterbacks but he's a darn good dispatcher you go. <laughs>
1: if
3: you're worried, if you're really worried about quarter... sorry if you're really worried about quarterbacking you play the way we play when you once you get to nationals at survival where every turn like all your turns are timed Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to talk between turns. Oh. You're not yeah. allowed to talk. Yeah. You're not allowed to make any like facial. expressions. Okay. You've got to do everything quick within turns. And it usually means that table talk is so fast and and minimalized. Yeah.
0: yeah. Zach is asking, what was the one that could set up bases? Was that even in pandemic?
2: Operations expert. Yeah,
0: yeah it's the operation expert. Um, and I guess I guess, you know, it would be we'd be remiss to talk about pandemic. Without talking about
2: Legacy, um, the game
0: I've never my played favorite.
1: Legacy. I will be honest. What? <laughs> this is when my children—well, my children are quite young, but my children were even younger then.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> I've play, I still played. Some
1: catch it still catch up to do.
3: <laughs> I played both uh, Legacy One and Legacy Two. Uh, we played them straight through, from cracking the box to completely finished. In one oh, that's night, right. You did. One those, night. Did
0: you do those for extra life?
3: For extra life, yeah. yeah. So the first one took 14 hours, and the second one took 16 hours.
0: Oh, wow. Zach Connolly is, is saying I should try a poll. Okay, I'm gonna to try to add a poll. With
1: three I, options.
0: Oh, I don't know. No, 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 to, to this particular thing, let's see what no, I No, let's do see here. what
1: happens. Put some buttons, just don't knock anyone off. Oh, hey, this is a good
0: question. While I'm doing this, you guys answer Brad's question. Brad asks, has anyone ever lost a pandemic on first turn? I think it's possible. Well, Does there's them-
1: a Reddit thread about this, but I don't know how real it is. Or if this is one of those urban legend things. There is (laughs) because when I look things up, as you know, I do for the for the episodes. It would require
3: the the first the the triple diseases to all be in in like right side by side by side. Top card is an
2: epidemic and you did nothing about it.
3: Yeah, but but yeah. So the odds of the top card being an epidemic, since you're supposed to shuffle them down a bit. Yeah. So it's rare, it's hard it to set up. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not set up very easily, but. And it, that, that cluster would also have to be far
2: enough away from Atlanta that you can't get to can't it. You get to it in time, yeah. So one person in the world, Brad, probably. I wanna know how this happens.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm reading it right now. Just give me a second, it's called, we just lost pandemic on the first card draw. You guys keep talking while I figure what the hell happened. All
3: okay. I've right. had people that Survive lose by turn six.
0: I can see that. Yeah. And I mean, it it is really a confluence of all the stars aligning or misaligning. Uh, It's just, it's just like your channel fireball combo and magic type Mm -hmm. thing where you just have to draw into that kind of crap shoot. Okay. Um, They
1: don't literally mean the first card. It's a chain of what happens. So this is what the person says. They had Kharasha had three, so initial setup, Kharasha had three cubes, Kalkata, sorry, Kalkata had two cubes. First draw is an epidemic. Epidemic has an outbreak in Dolly. There's now three cubes in Dolly. Shuffle the infection uh, discard pile. First infection card, Dolly again, of course. Outbreak in Dolly. Leaves the outbreak in Karacha and uh, puts the third cube onto uh, Kolkata. Uh, Second infection card, Kolkata. Then they swear. (laughs) Outbreak Kolkata, outbreak Dolly, outbreak Karacha. And we're out of cubes.
2: Yep, that was for. I just saw the thread. Yeah. That was in fact their first turn. Yeah. The setup put the three two beside each other in the black yeah. in the black area. Possible. <laughs> and then the uh, and then the infection on the epidemic was, put yeah. another three, and then you have that cascade you were talking about, and it yep. cascaded one way, and then it hit back the other way, and yep. you ran out of black cubes. Yeah. You can
1: lose in that round. <laughs>
2: the good news is you can set that back up in a minute. Did you achieve your pulse then? I don't know. I think I might have Someone tell us then if
1: he he hit a bull or not.
2: I don't know anymore. Cool. Um,
0: Is there anything else about pandemic that we'd like to discuss?
1: Oh, last thing we were going to say, and none offense to the game in any way. We just basically gushed about it for like an hour. Uh, We're going to talk about whether or not, you know, does it get away with certain things because it's the first of its kind, and would it still (laughs) feel to do that (laughs) now?
0: The first of his name.
1: Well, okay. The first recognizable of this hybrid co-op, if
3: it came out you know, today, genre. If it came
1: out, out today, what would happen?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. What do you think, Jamie? I don't know because yeah, it was sort of. It did sort of lead the pack. It was again, as you guys were talking about earlier, it wasn't the first co-op, but it was the first co-op that sort of made co-ops popular. I think in a way, or showed that co-ops could be really fun. Would it? Would it hold up today? I don't know. I probably would because I don't know a lot of other. Co ops that are as good that are as simple at the same time.
0: Right. And I think that's, that's the thing. Like, so um, with the Forbidden series, there's definitely simpler, but I don't think they're as engaging to most people. No.
1: You know, I gotta say, I think the big difference again is as long as no one had taken it, theme. If there had been nothing between then and now, like let's say this came out now and nobody had really done this, you know, biohazard theme. You know, like the most things that go into that realm go into like scary apocalyptic craziness. Right. Mm-hmm. So unless someone touches that theme, I think it's still gonna win out.
3: I agree because like actually I like with I have all the pandemics up, but I find pandemic Cthulhu to be my least favorite of the bunch mm-hmm. because it's just not a unique theme anymore. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, and obviously the legacy series just adds to it and makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in different ways, right? So, you know, I, I don't. I, I think that uh, pandemic probably hit at the right time, and it was the right time, right place. Um, and it is a good game. Uh, definitely, there's people who have their detractors uh, when they talk about pandemic. And you know, is it my favorite game in the world? No, but it, the the legacy version has definitely created some of my most favorite moments in gaming. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it is a robust system that uh deserves all the accolades it's getting and probably deserves all the criticism it's getting too because and to be criticized is a good thing i think in this case that people have played it enough to dissect it and realize that you know when you pull the curtains back there's some things that you know don't make it as great if you are an alpha gamer if you are somebody with you know photographic memory if you
2: know if you're all those things
0: you go go play
2: space alert I mean, if you're all those things, don't. That's not going to you Yeah, don't, don't like like play co-op, co-op games because you're Make not fun look. to play co-op games with.
1: No, you um, don't <laughs> want to play with others. I think.
2: <laughs> I think. Um. I think the the one thing though uh, that that would be good for our audience who are mostly game designers to to think about. This has been coming up a lot in various uh, threads I've been talking in on uh, uh, Facebook yeah. the last few days about whether or not your game has to stand out in the marketplace. Um, And it can be really hard to figure out whether or not your game will stand out in the marketplace and how to do it. But if you're making a co-op game, I think you've got it a little easier because Pandemic is such a force. If you can answer the question, why would would someone play your game instead of Pandemic or any of the Pandemics? If you can answer that question, you're on the road to finding out what makes your co-op game unique.
0: Mm, good question. Good, good, good way to think about that. Okay. So let's see here. Um, so for those of you who are looking for us, where do you find us?
1: Facebook, Twitter, <laughs>
0: you, <laughs> all the things. All right? the
1: things. Yeah. If you look at so, me, uh,
0: you're probably already there cause that's where this is showing. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Jesse's at TT void, Erica's at Me games with an I, uh, Jamie, are you on Twitter?
3: Nope. Not at all. No Twitters for Jamie? No, you and can, you can follow find me, me on, on Facebook. It. Yeah. Okay, you
0: can follow me on, on Twitter, at Uh where We talk about game stuff all the time, and at Meeple Syrup as well on Twitter. So definitely check us out, follow us if you want more information. Um, check out our
1: group if you want to talk more about game design like specifics. Yeah. Yeah. Syrup so we've up got up our top shop talk. a
0: happening place. Um, and we have 900. 900 yes, we, likes we're now nine, over
1: 900 people on our Facebook group. So. Which is great. We're on our way, our goal for the thousand. Hmm. Uh, so if,
0: yeah, if you can do anything to help us get that goal of a thousand, please do. That'd be wonderful. If we hit a thousand, uh, then, I'll um, do something cool.
1: There of we what? go, Jesse. You can pick <laughs> Jesse's hair color or something. Oh, <laughs> now move back to Ontario, <laughs>
2: only if you're going to pick pink.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. You're limited to a shade of pink. Travis and then, is then asking
0: then... a question. One second. Uh, who is going to break out con? Erica, I'll be there. Jamie be will be there. Yeah. Oh, look, who's not going to be there again, Jesse? He's in
1: California. in California. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. it's Look, <laughs> our, our next—we can talk about the next uh, yes. episodes coming up, and then we can sign off. Yeah.
0: Uh, Jim Baker will be there too. Good. Okay. So lots of people there. So next week's show—next week's show—is gonna be super cool. So people have asked us. What I ask, you know, who should we interview? A ton of people have mentioned Casey. KC. Uh, Casey KC is a fellow from Nigeria who is making huge strides in not only game design but popularizing uh, game events in Nigeria. So much so that Matt actually, I think, went there, pandemic Matt, went there uh, in the summer of last year to be part of the first game convention in Nigeria. So Casey will be coming on to the show next week. It'll be like 4 a.m. on the Thursday morning, his time. Uh, But he is definitely interested in coming on. The week after that, we'll have uh, one of my co-designers, Jesse has to go. Uh, one of go, my card yeah, Jay Corbier, on the show, to talk about his current Kickstarter, which is the really Fail cool. Faster book. Of-
1: Latest Journal,
0: which yeah, I Play think Test is Journal. a fascinating
1: concept in itself. And yeah, I think that's a, lot a better word in the
0: book. And it's really and- cool. He's gamified it. It's really kind of neat. Uh, and so if you're a game designer, check it out. Uh, you might want to use something like that. Uh, it's really cool. And then the week after that, we have Matt Holden coming on from the Indie Game Alliance. Uh, Matt's Indie Game Alliance offers a ton of really cool services for people who are just getting into game design and particularly self-publishing and so if you're a self-publisher if you want to self-publish and you don't have all the connections to like manufacturers and distribution and all that kind of stuff check out the episode in three weeks Um, three it's three weeks and Matt Holden will be on about the Indie Game Alliance. Or just go check them out right now. Go check out Indie Game Alliance right now. You'll find out just how much they can do for you. Uh, so, oh, Brad Bachelor should be at Breakout Con on Sunday. So this is awesome. Wicked. Good to see everybody coming to Breakout Con. If you're there, look up myself, look up Erica, look up Jamie on Saturday, and we will play games with you. We would love to play games with you. Oh, I'm if running
1: you- I'm running Bosk and Ghostbusters, yeah. I believe. Oh, so Very
0: cool. <laughs> What's a self publisher? I'm gonna put that up there. So
1: <laughs> the the someone, someone who publishes for themselves. Zach, it's a self publisher.
0: Publisher, uh, and I'll be running um, tournaments for Tic Tac Move for the kids and for Gin uh, for the adults. So a trick-taking game and a bejeweled type of you know match-three type game. So come and play and have fun, and we'll see everybody there. Jamie, we'll see you there. I think that's awesome. I haven't seen you in so long. That'll be great. So, anyways, uh, come back next week when Casey will be on the show. The week after that, Jay will be on the show. The week after that, when we'll talk about the IGA, the Indie Game Alliance with Matt Holden. And on
1: that note, good oh, and night. then we'll have a poll at some point, people. So we oh don't yeah yeah a yeah. Because Sen's I'll, figuring out polls. I'll
0: make a better poll than last time. Well, so Wait. you can only have two options, Erica. That's it yeah uh, if you're the the group in a group you can really do can
1: somebody else post on our behalf now I, so. I don't think on but that we page, approve I think it do that
0: on, i don't think they can do that on a page we might maybe we can do it in shop talk maybe it's easier to do it in shop talk i don't know but whatever it is it worked okay this time we had like 30 people voting each time which is good okay you know? eh. so we'll pick a new game so i hope you enjoyed the deep dive the dissecting the game on pandemic and we'll see what we get to next time it was super fun Good to see you all. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you later. Night, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Meeple Syrup Show. If you'd like to support us on all of our projects, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash meeple serum. Hope to see you next week.